Hello and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This week we're exploring new biotechnologies for sustainable manufacturing. With me to discuss that is Dr Alex Brogan, lecturer in chemistry at King's College London and a member of the Foundation for Science and Technology's Foundation Future Leader Scheme. Dr Brogan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you and uh, thank you for having me. So we're talking about using biotechnologies in sustainable manufacturing. Why are biotechnologies and biomaterials potentially important when it comes to sustainability? The main crux of this is that sort of nature has a very vast toolkit of enzymes, so a catalyst that are used to um, perform many different reactions. And they use, nature uses this to make the products and, and fuels that it requires to exist, you know, if you think about it in that respect. Uh, but these processes are very highly efficient and they work at much lower temperatures than the conventional uh, catalysts that we would use and the reactions that we would use and at much lower pressures. And on top of this, they also produce very precise products. So the, the, the product you get is very pure, has the, you know, the correct, uh, what we call the, the uh, nantiochemistry, the, the stereochemistry that, is a, that makes them very powerful uh, commodities. Um, and it also uses very highly abundant, or highly earth abundant, I should say, elements, which is um, a very big challenge for us as, as chemists otherwise. And so in terms of why they're important then is so we would really like to harness this you know, enzymes uh, for our own industry. So make the products and fuels that we require. And so then using enzymes will dramatically increase the efficiency and should reduce the ecological impact of, of producing uh, many different um, commodities. And so thinking about sort of the, the biotechnologies and particularly the biotools that you know, we're making in my lab, one of the reasons why we want to do this, and so the, the, the work that we do is we, we essentially stabilize enzymes against temperature, aggregation, and sort of non-aqueous environment. So biology is water-based. Industry, however, is not. So you know, many of the commodity products that we require, so the fuels, the plastics, and the platform chemicals, so those that we use to build other chemicals, they're very much incompatible with biology and it's all stemmed from the solvents. So you know, when we think about the biotechnology biometers that we do, we can stabilize enzymes against those non solvents that we need to make fuels, plastics and chemicals, then hopefully we're able to utilize and harness biology for that respect. And so that's where I think that that, that becomes important. So we can then hopefully shift our current sort of manufacturing for these chemicals fuels away from, say, petrochemicals towards more sustainable resources that biology could then work on. And what kind of industrial products, uh, industrial processes, industrial sectors are most suitable for some of the new biotechnologies that you're looking at? Actually, enzymes are already used in uh, a fair few places. So at the moment, there are basically two ends in the market that are being used for them. And so the main one where a lot of the discovery is going into the moment in, use, in the use of enzymes for industry is in those high value products such as pharmaceuticals and cosmetics so the high value very specific chemical commodities and at the other end they're also being used in biological washing powders so we use them to clean up things and then there is a lot of space in between those two those two ends and actually in my mind this is where biology is most useful because there has a, there's a huge untapped potential of what biology can do. The enzymes can, the, the, the reactions they can perform. So and so here, it's particularly the conversion of renewable resources and particularly wastes into viable chemical commodities uh, is where 
I think there is a gap in the market. And so particularly if we can use a biological conditions to improve on that. Um, and so in the work that we've been doing, we've shown that we can using alternative solvents and enzymes, we can activate those enzymes towards substrates that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise, particularly polymers. So most polymers are fairly insoluble in water, which is what enzymes typically use, but we can use alternative solvents. And uh, we've shown that, shown that we can um, significantly enhance the activity of enzymes towards polymers in non-aqueous environments. And so we've looked at biopolymers like cellulose, so we can convert those to sugars that we might need for biofuels. But we could also think about if we're using unnatural systems and we could, should be able to use enzymes on unnatural systems. So one of the things that we're looking at is can we use them for plastic degradation? So improving the solubility of plastics and then the enzymes can then do the rest. And then we can get what I like to call true recycling where we convert plastics back to their original building blocks so that it can be reused again. And then um, similarly, non-aqueous environments so other sort of other solvents can be used for converting other abundant sort of resources. So carbon dioxide being one, it's not terribly soluble in water, but it's really quite soluble in, in other solvents. And biology also has some excellent enzymes for converting carbon dioxide to various things that it needs. And so I'm thinking here, can we then be able to use the combination of non-aqueous environments and enzymes to better convert uh, things like carbon dioxide to the, the products that we might require? So I guess in short, recycling fuels and plastics could be the things that we could look at, which is beyond the, the current range of, of enzyme usage. No, that's really interesting. And it, and it actually means that you're working at both ends, both at the creation end and at the sort of end of life recycling end of different products. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so I, I always think that if we can make polymers, we can break them down. One of the things currently in the political drive is towards net zero emissions and that whole move towards uh, basically reducing greenhouse gas emissions. It may be worth just setting out briefly how some of these technologies uh, contribute to that wider aim of government. As I was saying, if we can diversify our feedstock for chemicals and fuels and, and plastics away from petrochemicals towards more kind of sustainable, more resilient uh, resources, by that very nature, we immediately kind of become much more sustainable and being able to use those resources will reduce our, our sort of expenditure, as it were, on, on using uh, valuable resources. So I guess it's not the greenhouse gas aspect of it, but it's certainly the more sustainable aspect. But then, as I was saying, if we can use insolvents where we can, or and systems where we can capture any carbon dioxide and use it effectively. So, you know, what we call the carbon capture and utilization, you know, if we use these kind of advanced biotechnologies in conjunction with uh, emerging solvent systems, then we'll be able to use those wastes a lot more efficiently. And so in that way, we would, you could almost sort of think about a system where we could have closed loop manufacturing in many respects, not just in terms of recycling what products we do make, but in also recycling the wastes from other manufacturing. And so I guess it's more of an indirect reduction of greenhouse gases, but it's certainly something that we could work towards. Now, I've certainly heard from other industries that produce CO2, the, the possibility of carbon capture and utilisation and storage, but the emphasis has more been on the storage. But clearly, if there is real industries that can take off using some captured uh, CO2, that then, as you say, closes the loop a little bit and makes some of the other industries that are producing CO2 less of a, an overall harm if, if these things can be brought together. 
yeah exactly and i think i think carbon capture utilization is, is something that yeah especially when using emergent uh, solvent systems and and biology i mean biology is great at capturing co2 and if we can just control that a little bit more then i think we have a, a great opportunity so what are the key technical challenges in R&D to, to, to make all of this work and to, and to bring it into, uh, into the market? My technical challenges are, where are the limits? Um, at the moment, we've had a lot of success in using sort of certain enzymes and um, certain conditions, and we've seen them work. But actually, we don't know what the limits, limits are. Are there certain reactions we can't do? Are there sort of conditions we can't use with biology? So there are, it's a very technical challenge, I suppose, and that's something that sort of that, that optimization parameters, that those those ones are those design parameters that we can investigate to completely optimize this this situation is is the, the challenges that I see at the moment for for moving forward. And you know, uh, there's a lot of research at the moment on a very specific end of make, making and discovering new enzymes for new reactivities. However, I think there's the the challenge there is then how do we translate that into a, a system that is more appreciable for industry and and so I, I like to think that a more a drop-in which so it, what, we, what they call especially for fuel production is if you can drop it into the current manufacturing processes and streams then that would be more uh, sort of economical viable for for those processes to, to be developed um, and I, at, we're not quite at that stage and that's kind of where my research comes into that kind of bridge, bridging that gap between enzyme discovery and industrial take-up. So that brings us on to our next question. Where roughly are we in the technology readiness levels scale? Uh, I mean, is this more R? Is this more D? Is it the valley of death in between? What, what are we talking about? I think at the moment, you know, we're somewhere between three and four, I would say, on that, you know, so we're at the proof of concept stage. So we've, we've got a handful of proof of concepts, but, you know, so at least the work that we're doing is trying to establish more proof of concepts so that it becomes a much more kind of broad, viable uh, technology, um, which then means that we're kind of, yeah, we're quite close to that, that value of death, as you're saying, but so where we need some, uh, a fair bit of research, but we could benefit from, from some development now. And I think there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a very kind of appreciable region where we need probably both, you know, once we know the parameters that we need to hit for those that downstream processing, for example, then we can start optimizing the, uh, the biomaterials and the biotechnologies for that. So I, I want to ask you a little bit about industrial involvement in all of this uh, and in particular whether some of what you've talked about can really be scaled up to to the kinds of sizes and scales needed to create major change do we do we have the the companies to do that do we have the infrastructure to do that tell me a little bit about how this really gets into the industrial marketplace yes that's an incredible question and um, and i wish i had the, the best answer for that so Skills wise, we definitely have uh, in the UK, there's a lot of industries, you know, small, medium and big, which are looking at enzyme technologies and the, you know, the chemistries and materials that sort of at least I'm looking at are very simple. And it's certainly not beyond, you know, the, the manufacturing base at the moment to be able to scale it up and it's because it's very simple chemistry. So that shouldn't be a challenge. And then, and the way I'm approaching it is that I, I do want it to be very much a drop in for existing technology. So the being able to then convert it to actual uptake in industries also shouldn't be too much of a challenge. It is uh, the main um, that you know the, ma the major kind of thing we need to think about is actually 
providing the impetus to do so and, and it's that, that switch over that would be the, the biggest challenge because I, I don't think it would be huge hugely challenging on a technical front okay well that that suggests to me that we're thinking about some sort of government intervention either a carrot or a stick or some combination of both what's the need for that in order to get some of these things to market i've had some conversations with some industry partners potential industry partners and they are very much interested in what we're doing and they really want to see this develop but they're not quite at the point where they're happy to put in a serious amount of cash to help us develop that and so the role of government i think in a very simple way is we, we need more carrots and and by that i mean more money available to fund those those biotechnologies that are at the early stage of development and so you know thinking a bit more kind of that the high risk endeavors and actually pleasingly we are seeing a lot more um, interaction from in the, the government funders are on that so with a lot more coming out in terms of calls for funding which are on the on the high high risk and um, high value some more kind of direct funding for sort of early stage biotech i think would be nice to see and are we talking still money from the epsrc or are we talking money funded through innovate uk bringing industry in what what where are we in the in the scale i think again you know as i was saying we're very much on the cusp of r d as as i was suggesting so a bit of both i think there was a lot of fundamental research we can do to understand the system more at the same time, if we could bring in um, industry sooner rather than later, then we would have a, a very good uh, synergy where we can where we know where we need to be exactly, and, and you know, building these materials and, and technologies such that they will be taken up. So, yeah, I think a bit of both would be would be good, and I'd I'd like to see industry brought in at an early stage, and I think it would be useful. But that money, that kind of seed money from government, I think is going to be the real catalyst for that. So, assuming industry is tempted to be brought in does the university community have the right kind of links with industry does industry have the right kind of skills and motivations to to do all of this is it just a question of money are the other elements of potential collaboration in place biocatalysis is pretty big in the uk and there's a lot of innovative science going about and there are a lot of companies who are willing to be involved but very much at the established end. And so, you know, as I was saying, for those pharmaceuticals and for the those high value commodities. And again, as I've spoken, I've spoken to various industry partners, there is a appetite for it, but they would, and we have the basis and there's definitely the links there. It's just, they just want to see a little bit more prepared. And I think we have those skills and we have a lot of good research around, and especially in the UK, which we're fairly strong at it in, and those yeah, it's just that push, as, as I'm saying, that, that kind of seeding of, of these biotechnologies in, in the minds of, of everyone that would need it. So we've been talking about the UK and where we are and so on. How does the UK compare with other countries? Are they further ahead either in terms of the R&D or in terms of the commercialisation? Um, or is the UK ahead or are we roughly the same as others? What's the global situation? In terms of yeah where the uk sits you know we're pretty competitive i think i'd I'd say we're very similar to the us in this in this stage i think i think as as always with a lot of uk science my counterparts in the us probably benefit from a lot more kind of industry options so there's a lot more those 
options for them to spin out companies seem to be greater, but that's a well-known fact of UK academia that there's reluctant to push something towards there. So in terms of the science though, you know, much we're doing very well here on that developing of new enzymes. And compared to say Germany, where they're very much heavily on the engineering side, where they're sort of, they're not really taking terribly exciting enzymes, uh, but they're, they're creating very exciting ways of using them and deploying them in industry. And again, so where I see that a niche for developing these further is to kind of bridge that gap between pure science uh, solutions and the engineering innovations on side of that. So that's that's where I think we where we could have a a major advantage if we sort of swing to, towards that a little bit. So just to finish off, then let's put a positive hat on and look forward over the next five to ten years. So if some of these technologies take off, if some of the government incentives take off in order to bring industry together with research. Where could we be in five or 10 years in, in this field? Well, for me, I think it is definitely being able to produce what I, I call genuine sustainable commodities. So where we're using waste as a feedstock, where we're, we're no longer reliant on oil and other petrochemicals where we can, you know, and for the UK in particular, that would be good for kind of security terms in terms of being able to sustain our own manufacturing base without so much requirement on otherwise of uh, security risks of having those petrochemicals coming in and um, and that reliance. And so I, I'd like to see a, a, a situation where we have, you know, yeah, we can, where we can use the feedstocks available to us and in the process of using waste, then we make, that's effectively making us our burden on the, the planet a lot lower as well. And so like we can, go towards a much more closed loop manufacturing is definitely the benefit of where we hope to be in maybe 10 years. Fantastic. Well, that's a very positive note to end on. Let's see how far we get in the next 10 years. That's all we have time for. But uh, Dr. Alex Brogan, thank you very much. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. My guest this week was Dr. Alex Brogan, lecturer in chemistry at King's College London, and a member of the Foundation for Science and Technology's Foundation Future Leader Scheme. Details of the Foundation Future Leader Scheme, plus information about all of our events and blogs, and all previous editions of this podcast, can be found on our website at www.foundation.org.uk. Until the next time, goodbye.